Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Kian Lagi is a former athlete whose childhood dream became a reality when he made it to the NFL. However, after receiving news no athlete wants to hear, Kian had to walk away from the sport he loved and redirect his entire career energy from a rock bottom moment in life. However, this disastrous moment in life became Kian's opportunity because Kian now focuses on helping extraordinary people, and he describes them as extraordinary for reasons you're about to find out, to achieve impossible goals through his mindset coaching so that they live and he lives a better and more fulfilling life. I've been excited about this opportunity to speak to somebody who, and we've spoken offline, is, is a really, really grounded, great, energetic, full of zest for life guy. And uh, this is a particular pleasure to be talking to you today, Kian, all the way from Brazil, no less. So welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Sandro, <laughs> I am excited. I'm ready. And I'm ready just to, just to go in with you. We're going to have an incredible conversation. And uh, I think the viewers are going to leave with some incredible value. Well, um, for those who um, haven't yet had the chance to look at the, uh, the visual stills of this podcast, for all you ladies out there, Kian uh, is a is a pretty good looking guy, so you need to you need to be checking you need to be checking him out <laughs> on social media. We'll deal with that in a in a bit, and I and I say that in uh, in the most heterosexual of ways. So, Kian, let's start with uh, this this incredible backstory. And I and I I I was I, I was rather worried about coming up with too long an introduction because I want you to do justice to this this incredible journey that was full of despair and yet full of so much hope and opportunity. So. Start at the beginning, if you would, and just kind of guide us through this whole process, this kind of classic roller coaster that we talk about in life. Yeah, I would love to. And thank you for the compliment of the good looks. I appreciate it a lot. So thank you. I feel the love. I feel the love. So thank you. <laughs> now for my story, my story starts back in uh, second grade. And for anybody that doesn't know what, what grade that is for an age it's uh, right around 10 years old. And I had a dream to go to the NFL. Um, in second grade, I drew a picture that was me playing in the National Football League. So since I was that age, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I was always very disciplined. I, I learned the things that I needed to to be able to get what I wanted. I knew what hard work was. I knew what timeliness was. Um, I mean, I was doing push-ups and sit-ups by myself when I was 12 years old without anybody pushing me to do it. I was always the, the, the first one in the film room, last one out, and really, really built this solid foundation of discipline and structure in my life to get what I wanted. And through the time that I spent in that, uh, I ended up playing college football. I was a two-year Division I captain uh, on a team and ended up getting all the way to the NFL. And when I made it to the NFL, I know you mentioned in the intro a little bit, uh, I ended up having an injury from college that I didn't know was as bad as the uh, doctors for the Kansas City Chiefs told me it actually was. So 
during that time, I got told that I'd never be able to play again. Uh, my path was not traditional after that. Uh, I did not ever do a nine to five. I never jumped into the mainstream path, what everybody does. I've never done that and I never will. Uh, and so I, I got into personal training, something that I was very familiar with. I initially thought I wanted to be a financial analyst with school for it, but I'm like, no, not a chance. So I, I would say I mastered what it was to have a, an incredible external figure and body. Uh, so I'm like, hey, I'm going to get into that. After a while being in that, I'm like, okay, well, what's next for me? And it was me learning what it was to be healthy from the inside out. So I spent a lot of time and energy learning about what it took to be healthy from the inside out and uh, ended up coming up with a program for people with autoimmune conditions and digestive disorders. So I uh, got to a point where I quit my job entirely as a freelance personal trainer and went all in on this new program that I had for people with these conditions. So I was able to work through a lot of internal health stuff that issues that I had, like gas, bloating, heartburn. I was able to help a lot of other people that had some of these similar issues along with more advanced issues as well. As time went on, I found that a lot of these people that had these issues physically, the problems they were experiencing, it didn't stem from the actual food they were having, it stemmed from a deeper emotional place. Uh, what I like to say is emotionally fat or, emotion, or, uh, or emotionally unhealthy that leads to physical problems. So I decided to go into that much deeper uh, one for myself, but also for my clients and found that I enjoyed it much more than just the food part of things and uh, found that in my life, I started to make substantial changes uh, when working through different emotional stuff that, that I had not actively healthfully processed and um, found that through my time of being an entrepreneur and helping some of my clients that I previously had, I loved working with entrepreneurs, people that were high achievers and high performers, similar to me, people that have, have never had an issue with uh, being able to get off the couch, but more so an issue with ever being able to sit down. So I uh, fell in love with really myself and working with myself. And then as a byproduct, working with people that uh, are having a lot of success, that are high achievers, that are making a lot of money, uh, but want to start having a little more fun in their life and want to stop being a slave to their business and to their job. And that leads me to today. Wow. That is, that's quite a story. So you mentioned three words earlier on. I just want to pick up on them. You said, uh, go all in. I, I can't remember the context in which you, you use those words, Kian, but I want to mention them to you because certainly in my experience, and I'm sure in yours as well, there's a lot of people, though you're working with successful people, and we'll talk about the definition of success in a, in a while, but um, there's a lot of people out there that have kind of got an idea, a, a goal for a business, uh, an idea, but they don't go all in and therefore they never quite get to where they want to get to. And yet all I ever hear from you in, 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 the, in the introduction, and, and thank you for sharing that um, so openly, I, I get this sense that you're an all-in guy. So what does it take to go all-in and why is all-in so important? Well, what it takes to go all-in is, first, you need to have a solid foundation of, of confidence, right? And, and it's very difficult to be able to know exactly what you want and go all-in on what you want when you don't have the confidence to believe that you're actually capable of getting it. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up is that they set big lofty goals for themselves, but they simply don't have the foundation of confidence in themselves to be able to get it. So that's where I, I say from, from my process at least, is being able to go in and, and find what it is that needs to be moved around and swayed and, and switched and, and squandered in your body that, that allows you to be able to then have this level of confidence to be able to follow through with what you want with your life. Uh, and to make it personal for more about people that 
are high achievers and, and that have big goals and, and that do push themselves to go to it. For a lot of those people, what I actually do with them is I actually give them permission to not have their shit figured out. Okay, because most people that are in high end positions that are doing a lot for the world have always been in a position of having to have it all figured out, right? Which causes them to take paths that aren't necessarily in alignment with what their heart desires, but more so a path that fulfills an insecurity inside of them or gives somebody else uh, an affirmation that makes them feel better, whether it be a mom, dad, or, or, or society in general. So, one of the most powerful things for people that have traditionally had it all figured out. It's to just give ourselves permission to not and to be in the tension of not having it figured out. And mm. through that tension, that time spent of not having it figured out and learning to operate in a place of inspiration, independent of what we feel like we need to do or have to do, allows more of a clear understanding of what it is that we want, independent of our insecurities. And I would actually also argue that for people that don't really know what they want and they don't have the confidence to really go all in on what they want, give yourself permission for a little bit to actually not have it figured out. And I feel like that's what I did an incredible job of. My, when I moved from South Dakota, a small state in the US, all we have is corn and cows to, uh, to Miami and Florida. Oh my gosh, dude, Latin American culture is substantially different from anything that I, I grew up with. Right? And during that time in Miami, I did a lot of crazy shit that was not who was in alignment with, with who I believe that I once was based off my upbringing. So I gave myself a period of time to just not have it figured out. And through that, I've had an incredible path that's laid out to me, uh, which is really, really beautiful. So that would be my, my probably one of my one things is all the foundation, should say two things, solve the foundation of the lack of confidence in the first place. And two, just give yourself permission to, to not have it figured out and follow this thing that I like to call inspiration, mm. allowing a more greater path that's in alignment with your heart to reveal itself. That is brilliant and articulated because... When I was listening to talk about, you know, this this uh, this progression of your career, wanted to be a financial analyst, you, you get, end up in the NFL. The, the way that you describe your transition out of this, you know, this career goal to be an NFL, to be a football player, and then being told that that wasn't going to happen. You know, the way you described it earlier on, it was almost like, you know, kind of like water off a duck's back, like shelling Diana, where it was, where it was. I, you know, there, there are a lot of people, particularly in sport in this country, Kian, who you know, are still wallowing in the self-pity of a failed career or, um, you know, a transition from the bubble that is sport to retirement, whatever it is. And a lot of people get stuck and they and they just end up in with a life of apathy because they, they can't remove themselves from this kind of all-in situation where their life was, was dictated by other people, by a sports club or association. Um, and so I, I kind of love the confidence you exude. I love the fact that you've got this kind of flexibility of attitude. That's the right way of expressing it. And so I suppose my next question would be, is it a good thing or a bad thing to have an ego? Well, the first thing I want to say is you mentioned that I water off the duck's back and be talking about my transition out of the NFL. And that's simply due to all of the work that I've done to be able to emotionally process my attachment to the sport. And for most people that are in a position where they're wallowing, you said they're wallowing in their pity of, of the sport being done simply because they haven't been able to healthfully process a lot of deeper rooted emotional pain uh, that they have inside of them. And so that's where I've done a lot of that work for myself, which allows me to continue to move forward and move on with my life and to feel incredible about moving on with it. So that's the first thing I want to say in regard to that. 
The second thing is regarding ego. Ah, I'm so excited to talk about this. This is so fun. <laughs> well, it wasn't. Uh, it's, that's not a disrespectful comment at all. I mean, I think ego, if it's channeled right, is, is a great thing to have. I just want to know oh, whether, you know, yes. if you're not in control of it, can it be destructive or can it be, can it be something else? Yeah, etc. Uh, I mean, know, too, like, I did not take that in a, in a personal way in any way. I, I'm actually excited. I'm glad good, you that Good, because you're about, you're about a foot taller than me. So, uh, you know, I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, and and here, here's what I believe. I believe most people fall under two categories. They're either in a space of growing up, over-considering the thoughts, feelings, and emotions of other people to guide and base their decisions off of. And you have the other camp of people who are not and don't really care at all about what other people think and they just go in on whatever it is that they want to do without really considering anybody okay so i'm going to actually talk to the people that uh of people players the people that uh have made a lot of choices in their life based off how they think other people will respond or made choices in their life because they want to receive a certain level of validation from other people so i want to talk about that camp of people in regard to the ego okay mm -hmm. And one of the most powerful things that these people over here could possibly do is mend their relationship with ego. And I, and I find it really interesting because a lot of these people in this camp tend to be the biggest proponents of killing the ego. Why? Because that's actually their natural way of operating is putting themselves last. So what do we do as human beings? We gravitate towards information that supports narratives that we already have. Okay. So for me, for example, I knew internally right, that I was always the best at whatever I did playing football, but I was always so scared to give myself permission to verbalize that and to talk about it, which ultimately I would say led to my demise in uh, overworking, in being an underdog, in, in, in a lot of these things that we can talk about later. Um, but the most healthy thing that anybody that comes from the camp of over-considering other people and doesn't want to be uh, 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 arrogant, doesn't want to be cocky, is to learn that it's actually healthy and good to be able to express how good and how great you actually are and to feel it and to own that. Because here's the thing, everybody that thinks that you can kill the ego, what they don't realize is that it's actually your ego trying to kill your ego anyway, okay? Mm -hmm. So the only reason why you try to kill your ego is because it would massively benefit you, benefit you to not have an ego, which is what? The ego, okay? So that's probably what I would say is, is it's super important for the, this camp of people to mend their relationship with desire and mend their relationship with their ego so they're, they're actually, in control of it rather than being controlled by it without even recognizing it. Very, very good. I'm sitting here in awe listening to some of these answers. Um, you work with some extraordinarily successful people. You've mentioned that already and I did in the introduction. Um, let, let's just talk briefly because you're, you're a man with good enough experience to answer this question very well, I think. Um, people who kind of want to focus on all of these different things, spin multiple plates, is it about focusing on lots of things or possibly even too many things at once? Or is it about channeling themselves, their energy, uh, their goals and ambitions into one thing, one direction? Or is it, it is a bit of both? That's also an incredible question. And the direction that I would like to take with that is first asking the question, why are you doing so many things? Is it because there's actually a, a, a driven motivation to do it where it's like, yes, this feels inspiring. This is what I would like to do. Or is it from a place of squirrel? Like, oh, oh, there's an acorn. 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 
right? And very much like a frantic energy, right? <laughs> of, oh, there's another opportunity, right? And just bop, 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 okay? So I don't want to say it's, it's, it's wrong to have multiple things that you're doing at one time because I have clients that, have that, that do have that capacity and that they've learned to be able to do all of that with exerting way less effort. Okay, so I don't want to make it about the amount of things that people are doing. I want to make it about the energy behind what it is that you're doing. And if it's more of like a, a frantic, I need to make more, I need to make things happen, I need, I need more uh, validation to feel okay about myself, I, I can't miss out on this opportunity because there won't be another one like this. If that's the energy that you're operating in, then I would say we need to take a step back and we need to get a little more centered in, in what you're doing and in yourself. Because what's going to happen is, you'll end up imploding or self-sabotaging things that you don't want to sabotage. What I see with people that do take on too much when they're in that frantic energy is they sabotage the things that they have. Mm. Okay. They sabotage their businesses. They sabotage their relationships. Right. And, and it doesn't end up good for anybody. So it might seem good on paper right at the beginning and, you know, to, to be able to talk about that I'm doing all of these different things, but, but ultimately something has to give if that underlying energy of lack is not dealt with. Okay. So, so, but for me personally, uh, I enjoy going all in on one thing because I trust a lot and it allows me to do a bunch of epic shit. That's really fun. That's not always dealing with business because yeah. I don't want business to be my entire life. I want business to supply me with having the freedom to do whatever the fuck I want mm. and not be a slave to it. So for me, I've developed a, an incredible uh, foundation of trust in my, my heart and the direction of my heart, which allows me to, to grow and make money without having to, to overexert myself or to do a lot more things. Uh, now I'm also noticing as time's going on that, that I am interested to in, uh, and in, inspired to, to maybe uh, invest in something or to go a little, put a little more energy effort into, into other things. Now that my, my baby is self-growing. Mm. Uh, but really to me, it's all about the energy behind what it is that you're doing in addressing that. And I should just say to all those listening on the Sandro Forte podcast that are listening on Spotify or iTunes, you won't have seen, um, you will have heard Kian laugh uh, towards the, uh, the beginning part of his answer. I should just explain, I had my hand in the air when he was talking about the squirrel with all the acorns, because um, <laughs> I, I tend to be somebody who, who does like to take on rather too much, as many people who know me will attest to, to that as well. So you work with these uh, incredible people. I want to just ask you a little bit more about what you do, Keen, with your clients, but also to ask you another kind of part B to that question. Uh, apart from what do you do specifically with, with the people that you coach and some of the speaking work that you do, but also is there a kind of a commonality? And I know this is a big open-ended question, but all these people you come across every single day, is this something that kind of sets the extraordinary people apart? That the real overachievers, the people that just seem to be setting that bar ever higher, that the rest of us kind of look at and go, wow, if only I was like him or her or, and, and you know, can we be encouraged to think that actually they're just ordinary people doing extraordinary things or is there something entirely unique about them? Oh, that's a very dynamic question. And there's a lot of different ways that I could go into that. Um, but the first thing that I would like to say is, in, and this is really interesting, is that in the heart of a lot of people that are at the top in whatever they're doing is actually a lot of hurt and inadequacy. 
So, okay. So I don't want to make it about every single person that that's having a lot of success in their life, but I would say a lot of the times, many of the people that are at the top are at the top because of this need and desire to have to be seen in a certain light or to receive a certain amount of love and acceptance through the performance that they have. Okay. So, so a lot of times they received a certain level of love in their life at an earlier age through performance. Okay. So that's a very, very common thing in many of the, the most successful people that, that I work with. Uh, now the beautiful part about that process is, is that if getting to me at the right time, they won't eventually run themselves in the ground because of their lack of fulfillment in their life. Because what's one of the most common factors in these people as well is that they, uh, they don't really ever find fulfillment in any of their achievements. It's one thing to another, one thing to another, and it's just this never ending chasing the magic dragon uh, type of game. Okay. So if they get to me in time before they, they crash and burn or they, or they don't ruin their whole life or, or they're super, super depressed, then we're able to go in and actually get them to a point where they're able to use all these incredible skills and gifts that they've been able to learn how to be able to incorporate into their life, not through a place of lack and hurt of needing to get to somewhere because they need to feel okay about themselves, but through this beautiful place of inspiration where they're not getting their justification of feeling okay off of their achievement, but simply through it's what inspires their heart and lights their heart up to do. And so when you, um, you know, you, you, would you say the same is true of you then, given the adversity that you faced in your, in your career, that, that career path that you at least had mapped out in your head? Same, same things apply. I felt like putting my hand in the air again when you talked about love and attention, you know, to leading to performance. I mean, amen to that one as far as I'm concerned as well. We, we seem to be having a conversation about me today. You've kind of uh, you've picked, up, <laughs> picked up all my personality traits. Uh, in, in about 20 minutes. Um, I mean, it, it is incredible because I've met lots of people on this podcast and, and indeed in life in general over the last 31 years that I've been in business. And there does seem to be a correlation between adversity and difficulty and all these roadblocks and obstacles that's kind of created an opportunity that's led to performance. I mean, again, in your own personal life, in your on, on your own life trajectory, same, same thing applying to you, Kian, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and that's the beautiful part is, is I've done so much internal healing and working through a lot of deep emotional pieces of inadequacy within myself that I'm still working on and working through. And this is what I believe allows me at the age that I am to work with the caliber of people that I do because of the level of internal work that I've already been able to do and consistently do on me. Okay. If, if I hadn't already, there's no way I'd be able to facilitate the level of, mm. of transformation that I do in people. So yes, uh, and for me, the big moment of realizing that nothing that I achieve will give me the fulfillment that I'm looking for was actually about 30 minutes before I went to get my MRI that was uh, the MRI that told me that I'd never be able to play again. I remember watching practice and being like, whoa, this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like to accomplish my lifelong dream. Like, this is it. Mm -hmm. And it was really confusing for me, really confusing for me. And for something that I just thought that I was just very driven to do, after that, I came to a big realization that I needed to do it. I needed to. 
And in my mind, I needed to. And that's how I feel like I was able to get there. It wasn't because it was a simple little playful desire that I had, but more so a need to justify me being and feeling okay about myself. And I would almost even make it an addiction. Okay. Something that I used to express myself in ways that I couldn't off the field. Mm. Right. So certainly, and that's a lot of the deep internal work that I've done on myself is working through those feelings of inadequacy and, and needing, uh, uh, performance to perform at a level to be able to receive love. And, and that's what I feel like I've done an incredible job of being able to do is, is performing and achieving from a place of fun mm. <laughs> and not through a place of rigidity and structure. Right? To, uh, to, yeah. to the, um, sorry to cut across you, Ken, to the earlier point right. you made about that moment when you get delivered this, you know, this news about MRI result, you're not going to play football again. I mean, obviously, in that moment, I think most people would describe that as fear. It's a known event. You're dealing with it in, in the way that you do. But then there's this anxiety, which is the fear of the, the you know, this this uh, this preconception of an event yet to happen. Is that something that you think this this misunderstanding between fear dealing with the present and anxiety? Is anxiety something that holds people back? And if so, how do they deal with it? Because there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast who say, I've got a great idea for a business. Um, I've got a really, you know, I've, I've got a career opportunity that I want to move to. And then they do nothing about it because they start to second guess the outcome. And, and what the little voice on their shoulder tells them is, oh, well, you know, if, if you put yourself forward for this job, this promotion, you'll get rejected and you'll feel bad. Um that idea, yeah, it's okay, but it's probably not going to work. So why put yourself through the, the pain of, of the process? Do you find that anxiety is something that holds a lot of people back? And if so, how do you overcome this, uh, this classic barrier that we all face in terms of anxiety? Yeah, I mean, certainly anxiety is, is, a, is a huge thing right now, uh, especially in the, the, the age of leisure that we're living in. That many, not many people know how to live in this frame of time because as humans, we've never been able to have this much possibility and this much leisure. So anxiety in the face of a lot of leisure can and is for many people a big, 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 big thing. And what I do differently than the majority of people is I don't really use tactics or techniques to try to get rid of my anxiety or, or positive thinking to try to push it out or affirmations to try to overrule the, the, the thoughts of anxiety. Uh, well, first, because that's just ridiculous, thinking that we have the power to consciously push away our unconscious belief systems and think that they're not controlling us, idiotic. It tells me you don't know anything about the mind and how it works. And if somebody's telling you to do that, they're wrong, okay? So our unconscious programming, which is 95% of our actions is running us. So. If it doesn't work to try to use affirmations, to try to use positive words, to try to get rid of those thoughts and feelings, how do you approach it? Well, you go right the fuck through it. That's what I say. You go right through it. What do I mean by that? You give yourself permission to accept whatever it is that's in your mind. So for example, hey, I don't think I'm going to get this job. I'm not a good enough candidate. You give yourself permission to sit in that and experience it as being truth. Okay. So you sit with yourself, right? And you're, I'm, I'm not good enough. No, nope, I'm not good enough. No, no, nope. right. I'm not good enough. I'll never be as good as another candidate. 
I'll no chance. <laughs> no, I might as well not even do it. What, who, who do I think I am? Just like thinking that I can go in here and get this job. Like, ugh, no way. Okay. So you actually give yourself permission to go all the way into it. Feel it and experience it as it is in your body. Allow all of the thoughts, feelings, and emotions to come up, present themselves that follow suit with that belief system. Allow yourself to sit in it and experience it. And on the other, it's so beautiful. On the other side of that experience of the full unconditional acceptance, it passes. It passes. Okay. Because a lot of the times, a lot of those, these, these, these deep rooted feelings and thoughts that we have are only there to protect us, right? They're, they're, they're from our, our ancestors a long time ago to try to protect us from, from potential rejection, which could, you know, to our monkey brands mean death. So allowing yourself to feel it, experience it, and accept it as being truth. It allows that, that voice in your head to, to be given a voice and then it, it chills out and it calms down and actually it passes because what are you doing? You're saying, hey, you don't have power over me. I'm actually going to be here with you and experience you as you are. And then when it feels heard, it says, okay, I don't need to yell at you and scream at you anymore. And it goes away and it passes. But most people are afraid to do that because they're told by the personal development community that if you allow yourself to think negative thoughts, then that will mean that your whole life will turn to shit. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, we've seen a lot recently, especially on social media, uh, prejudice and racism and trolling of sports people. And I just wonder how that is affecting the minds of society uh, and, and whether you had an experience as you came across some of these people, whether it was kind of holding them back or whether it was pushing them to, to, greater, to greater things. As far as some of the, the negative crap that they might have been getting on social media is that yeah, I, about about kind of creating this you know when we set goals historically we we're always told to set realistic goals we were told to measure ourselves through and and by the achievements of other people uh and i think social media personal view social media is starting to create the these norms um or it is uh, unfortunately putting people in position where they're starting to measure themselves in all the wrong ways and, it, and it's creating a lot of tension and you know uh mental illness is something that's become very topical recently because of this kind of lack of uh communication and of course in the last 12 months i'm interested to know how you how you do your work is it is it done online face to face bit of both how do you how do you communicate with uh with your clients kin and and what what is the work you're doing with them specifically yeah. Uh, well, well, the first thing with the social media stuff, man, it's like if you're operating, which majority of people are operating in, in unconscious energy where they're just flowing with their with their programming and actually don't have nearly as much control over their life as they think they are. Social media is dangerous, man. It is so dangerous. Right? And even me, I would consider myself very, very self-aware, very self-aware. There's times when I get I get I'll get sucked into to a little bit of social media stuff, too, and I'll find myself getting emotionally drained by it. Uh, but with the amount of self-awareness that I have, I've been able to use social media as an incredible tool to be able to work through certain things of, of fears that I may have to put myself out there and, and all that kinds of stuff. So I would say I, I use it as a, a beautiful tool, but for most people, they don't have that chance. They're not of that chance. And it's, it's scary to me because it's brainwashing everybody. Okay. Cause the majority of people, like I said, are operating on their unconscious programming, thinking that they have control over their thoughts and, the, and their actions but they don't. And people are getting brainwashed into thinking all this, this crap uh, that I don't take responsibility for. 
with trying to fix. Uh, I'm just creating a life of freedom for myself and people that choose to invest in me. And I'm not worried about everybody else, to be honest with you. That's not my job to worry about everybody else. So mm. most people, it's probably fucking them up, uh, but it can be used as an incredible tool to be able to work through certain things uh, if the level of consciousness is there. Fantastic. One, one question we ask all of our guests, and we're not going to let you off uh, lightly with this. I just get a sense that you're going to answer this brilliantly. So no pressure. But the question <laughs> we ask all of <laughs> the question we ask all of our guests is if you had uh, a younger version of yourself, let's say that a younger version of Kian Larky sitting at, right in front of you right now, or maybe your son sitting on your knee one day in the future. And he says, Dad, you know, given all that you've been through, that those amazing highs and, and the and the despairing lows. But if you could encapsulate all of that amazing experience, good and bad, and you could give me one single piece of advice to help me chart a course through life, what would that one piece of advice be? And I mean, I know you've covered a lot of ground today, and I, and I really do appreciate it on behalf of all the listeners out there from around the world. But if there was just one thing and one thing only that sat above everything else that made you who you are today and 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 what you'd encourage somebody else to be, what, what would that one bit of advice be, Kian? You already got it. I love, I love that, Kian, because I think sometimes, well, th there've been a number of deliberately rhetorical questions today, and that's because I know so much about you from the research we've done. And, and I love the fact that probably more so than any other guest we've ever had, you kind of live in this, uh, in, in that, you use the word space, you live in this space um, that you've created that most people would feel really uncomfortable about, and yet you're so comfortable in it. And, and you do, if you don't mind me saying this, uh, you, you kind of exude calm and control. And yet here you are talking to all these you know, incredible people that are achieving extraordinary things who just want to raise the bar a bit higher um, and, and who are clearly benefiting from that, from that calm, from that space that you create for them. So it's been, um, it's been wonderful talking to you today. I, if you weren't in Brazil, I wasn't in the UK, although I'm sure our paths will cross because we'll talk off, we'll talk offline about uh, an opportunity that, that might be coming up. Uh, I do hope sincerely that we get the opportunity to have that beer on a on a yacht or on a beach or in a restaurant or whatever yeah. somewhere, somewhere very soon it would be um it would be great um so Kian Lage, thank you so much for for being a wonderful guest today it's been really inspirational really really eye-opening and and just very different and i say that in, in the most positive of ways um really great to get your perspective of 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 kind of life i think is what i heard more about today than than perhaps we've heard in a long time. So thank you very much indeed for uh, for all you've given to so many people. And I'm sure you'll get lots of people taking off on the offer to, to connect with you. And certainly we will, we will be speaking again um, in the not too distant future. So uh, to Kian Lagi, thank you very much indeed. Sandro, you are welcome.